Good morning. We are doing part two of Conversations with God today. And do you know, the more I've looked at it, I've realised that there is so much in the Lord's Prayer um, that to try and rush it in three weeks is going to be quite difficult. And because we're not going to be here next week, we're going to take a pause. So we're going to do part one last week, part two today, and then in October... I will come back and do parts three and four. We think it's going to need four parts. So uh, something else will happen next week, which will be just as exciting. So we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. So I'm just going to do a very quick recap of what we looked at last week. So the Lord's Prayer, as we know it, this is how Jesus taught us to pray. And we looked at the word our, didn't we? Jesus is saying, my father is your father our Father. He is our Father. We, are, we have the same inheritance as Jesus. And then we looked at Father. Who we belong to defines us. We belong to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and He is our Father. And He defines who we are. Our children are defined by us, by the way we are and the way we live our life. And our Heavenly Father defines our lives because we belong to Him. And we looked at how He's a good God and He gives us good gifts. And I think everybody liked those um, red velvet biscuits. Even got a text saying, where did they come from? (laughs) So, um, yeah, we need to trust Him. You know, we cannot compare our Heavenly Father, even with a good father, because to do that would be to even limit God, because he, nobody can be as amazing as a father, as our Heavenly Father. And so we need to put our trust in Him, and we look to Isaiah 64, verse 8, Yet you, Lord, are our Father, we are the clay, you are the potter, we are all the work of your hand. And we're going to come on to that later. And then a very quickly looked at heaven, God is on his throne in heaven and he is on the throne in your heart. He lives in you. 1 John 4:15 says, If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. How much closer can God get? How much closer can he get than to live in your heart? How much closer? It's amazing if you stop and think about it. That relationship that we have. So let's all say the Lord's Prayer together again. Okay. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. And you can find that in Matthew 6. Okay, so we're going to move on now. And I touched on it a little bit last week, but we're going to look at hallowed be your name to begin with. So hallowed. That's quite an old-fashioned word, isn't it? What does hallowed mean? 
It means holy, consecrated, sacred, or revered. That's what it means. So hallowed means holy, consecrated, sacred, or revered. So hallowed be your name. We serve a holy God, and his name is holy. He is holy. So we've looked at God the Father, our Father, and we see how much he loves us how much he's provided for us, how much he wants to give us because he is a a good God. And we've looked at that relationship. But now Jesus is saying something else as well. He's saying holy, holy. Not just Father, but holy. Hallowed be your name. We have to revere God. He is to be revered. And sometimes, and do you remember I touched on this image of daddy, you know, when we say Abba Father. If we think too much like the little baby going, Daddy, 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 we don't have that same reverence and awe than, than we do when we're a bit older and we understand the authority that our father, our earthly father has in the home, but then we understand even more the authority that our Heavenly Father has because he is God Almighty, he is mighty. So we need to have a deep respect and admiration for him. And one of the things I find very interesting is in today's society, especially in the Western world, is that we've lost that idea of respect. And our children especially, uh, we noticed it as our children were growing up, what they came back with from school was that uh, rather than um, uh, that they had to respect us, it was that we had to respect them. It was like, why don't we respect them as children, you know? And actually, that's the wrong way around. The enemy likes to twist and turn things around. And actually, we need to respect our Heavenly Father. We need to respect what he says and what he asks us to do and the way he wants us to live our lives. We need to think highly of him as well. We need to appreciate him, to cherish and to value him. These are all things that are part of reverence. If you revere someone, then you cherish them, you appreciate them, they are valuable to you. And we need to set, you know, his name, we talk about Jesus, the name of Jesus, how powerful the name of Jesus is. And you know, he is our prize, our treasure. That word, revered, It's, you know, you revere something, you want to reach out and you want to take it because it is so valuable and so precious. And so when we think of our Father, the loving Father, he then says, hallowed is his name because we need to understand how holy he is, how amazing he is, how valuable he is, how precious he is, 
that we don't want to lose him because we have found something so valuable that it marks us. See, holy means set apart. Set apart for him. And Isaiah, um, let's look at Isaiah's response when he had a vision of God in Isaiah 6, verse 1 to 5 says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You know, it says, hallowed be his name, a name If you look, uh, I was looking lots of things up this morning, but name speaks of knowing. It speaks of not just knowing somebody's name, but you actually knowing the person. It's not just someone we talk about, but it's somebody that we are in relationship with. So when we say, hallowed be his name, here we have um, Isaiah having an encounter with God. And he suddenly realises how holy God is. And we all need that kind of encounter. We all need that encounter when we understand how holy and amazing he is. So we have our Father who is a good father, everything available. But we're saying, holy, hallowed be his name, because actually he is a holy God. And I think we've lost that, that awe, that awe of him. Do you remember last year with our vision, we looked at the wonder of who he is. And you can find that as um, a download if you haven't heard that. But the wonder of who he is. And we are to be in awe of him. I remember one day I had an encounter with God. I was praying and I just found myself flat on the face before the Lord. And it was a, a, a bit of a weird experience in one way. But I just felt this weight upon me and that I was disappearing into the floor. But I just, for a moment, I understood the weightiness of God and his glory and his power that he's poured out upon each one of us who has made that decision for Christ. Because he says, you are holy. He has set you apart. The Holy One lives in you. And when we look at God being holy, hallowed be your name, Jesus is saying he's different from the rest. You know, he lived in a a time where there were lots of other gods around, worshipping other gods, and Jesus was saying, no, he's different. He's different. He's set apart. 
Hebrews 7.26, sorry, Hebrews 7.26 says, Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. In Hebrews, John was talking about Jesus. Set apart. He is our high priest and he could be our high priest because he was not like everybody else. Jesus walked on this earth different. He was not full of sin. He was completely free. And he walked on this earth and he showed us how to walk that blameless life because he says we are holy. And so I want to just look very quickly at the next phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, when we say that, when we go, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it's a cry from our hearts. We are crying out, Lord, we want your rule and your dominion here on this earth. That's right. But his kingdom comes through you and me. That's how his kingdom comes. When you make that decision for Christ, you step out of the enemy's territory and you step into the kingdom of God. And what God wants you to do at this point is to do his will, to serve him with everything that you have. And so when we say, your kingdom come, your will be done, we're saying, we want your kingdom to enlarge. We want more people to walk into your kingdom. We want more of your will to be done. We need to do more of your will. Lord, I want to be obedient to you and do everything that you have asked me to do because just as it is in heaven, I want it here down on the earth. It's a cry from our hearts. And he's looking for those who will do his will. Who will do his will. It's not just to let it be done in somebody else. It's do it through me. So let's look at that word holy again. Hebrews 2 verse 11. says, Both the one who makes people holy... And those who are made holy are of the same family. So we're coming back to our Father, our here. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Look at that. Jesus is not ashamed. I want you to turn to someone and say, Jesus is not ashamed of me. Say it again. See, he's not ashamed of you. You know, sometimes we go, but look at all this stuff in my life. And he goes, yeah, but I don't see that. I see Jesus. Because Jesus lives in you. God lives in you. See, Jesus is interceding the right hand of the Father. And he's saying, look at my child, covered by the blood. Covered by that blood of righteousness. We look at the sin. We look at each other and we see all the things that are wrong. 
But Jesus goes, wow, my child. You're my child. I love you. I am so much for you. He's not ashamed of you. One Peter two verse nine says, "But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light." Turn to someone and say, "I am chosen. I am royal." I am holy. I am am God's special possession. I am God's special possession. Wow. Say that again. I'm God's special possession. I'm God's special possession. You see, we've got a job to do. Look at the end of that. It says that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light, into his kingdom. Your kingdom come. See, we're to testify of all the things he has done and will do in our lives. Today, these guys getting baptised, they're testifying what God has done in their life. They're making a public declaration. We belong to God. We belong to Jesus. He is our Lord. Let's just go back to a couple of scriptures from last week. Jeremiah, oh, I don't think we looked at this one. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. See, God said to Jeremiah, Before I even formed you, I had a call and a destiny for your life. When you are in the womb, before you were born, I set you apart for that. And for Jeremiah, he was appointed as a prophet to the nations. But he has a plan and a purpose for each one of us. And some of us are walking in our plans and purposes. For some of us, it's still a, when's it going to happen? For some of us, it's a, does he really have? And the answer is yes. He has put things in you. He has set you apart because he has a call for your life. He has something for you to do for him. It's exciting. Isaiah 64.8, we're going to go back to there. We're set apart for his use. We're going back to the potter and the clay. Isaiah 64.8, yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. See, we need to come to the point where we live for him. If we're going to say, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, then we have to be willing to do what God has for us. So, I've got some items here. So, they're not very fancy, Well, these aren't. This is my breadboard. Notice the word bread. This is my breadboard. I've had this a very, very long time. In fact, I believe it was a wedding present. So 
for those of you who are listening, it's a nice round wooden board with an engraved edging that's disappeared because of the knife that has been used year after year in cutting our bread. If anyone wants to see where it comes from, it's on the stamp on the back. But this, in my house, is my breadboard. That is the purpose of this board. It is not for cheese. It is not for tomatoes. It is not for meat. It is not for eggs. It is not for anything runny or could stain it. It is for bread and bread only. I have something else. I have this saucepan. This is my smallest saucepan. It's the same size as my gravy pan. You might think I'm very fussy. Well, maybe I am. This is my egg pan. It is for eggs only. No gravy must be made in this pan. Nothing else that would cause it to burn at the bottom and not be used. This is for boiling eggs and eggs only. And in my house, my children know that this is the breadboard for bread and this is the egg pan for eggs. You, you are set apart for God and God only. Not for the enemy to use, not for yourself, once you've given your life to him, not for you but for God. Now, if I'm this protective about a breadboard, how much more protective do you think God is about you? Because he has set you apart for a purpose. Here's something amazing for you to do. That's what I love about baptism. Because you're making, I don't know if you can understand me, um, but you're making that public declaration and you're saying, God, I'm here for you to do whatever you ask me to do. I'm making that declaration. And I want to show you something else, and I'm running out of time. Okay, this is a box. But it's not just an ordinary box. This is another wedding present. But this box stays away in a, uh, a cupboard. And inside this box are some very nice Edinburgh crystal glasses. Very special. Lots of Alan's relatives, or most of his relatives, are Scottish. And they gave us some crystal. I still have the card. How good is that? I can tell you who even gave it to me. And this is beautiful, isn't it? You know, God has made you beautiful. He's made you beautiful and you're precious to him. But do you know what we do a lot of times? Is we go, I don't want to get broken. I don't want to get hurt. I don't want a mistake to happen. I don't want to make that step of faith. And what we do is we hide away and we only come out at Christmas or a birthday celebration 
and the rest of the year we don't do anything for God. Do you follow? We make ourselves only available when we think, oh, somebody will come. Instead of being available all the time. See, my breadboard's available all the time for me. It sits on the side in my kitchen, which is why sometimes it does get misused. And I am gracious when visitors who come into my kitchen cut their tomatoes when they're making their cheese sandwiches. Listen, I don't mind if people make things at my house. I've got people who make themselves at home. But do you understand how precious you are to God? He has a plan for you. Uh, Jesus said in John 6:38, "For I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of Him who sent me." You know, we need to reference God. Let's go back to that. Hallowed be Your name. If He is holy, if He is the one who's precious and the prize, then we need to reference Him. We need to go, "Hey God, what do you want me to do today? What's Your will for me today? What do you want me to accomplish?" So that heaven is here on earth. So your will is done. So today, as these guys are getting in the water, you know, water symbolizes sanctification and, and cleanliness, doesn't it? Being clean, washing away of sin. And that's part of this declaration that God has completely washed them clean. Sin no longer has dominion. Sin no longer has dominion over you. Anybody else who's been baptised, sin no longer has dominion. If you've given your life to God, this is the symbol that says, sin no longer has dominion over me. Today is a day of freedom. So we're going to rejoice as we see these guys get baptised. But as you think about the Lord's Prayer over the summer, just think about what you're saying, you know, as you pray. These are a bit like bullet points. They're supposed to have a bit more to it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.